even with all the changes the last decade and heaven forbid the last year <laughs> that have gone on in marketing, um, I think the thing that's changed the most is the way that people choose to become customers. Hey friends, it's Steve. If I offered to write a client getting book for you in just 60 days, would you take me up on it? I've recorded a 15 minute video showing you our magnetic author method and explaining how it all works. It's up now at magneticauthor.co slash video. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and we got a fantastic repeat guest today. I'm talking with John Jantz. Um, if uh, you have heard that name, then you know Duct Tape Marketing. You know the Referral Engine, uh, one of my favorite books, and uh, his uh, previous book, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur. And today we're going to be talking about a brand new book that uh, John has written called The Ultimate Marketing Engine. In fact, he was kind enough to send me a copy, as you can see. I thought it was pretty good because I got a lot of stuff here that um, actually John has given me me homework uh, to do to uh, improve what we're doing. He's the founder of Duct Tape Marketing Consultant Network and trains and licenses uh, consultants all over the world in his methodology. John Jantz, I'm really excited to have you back. Uh, we don't bring many people back on, but I'm so glad we got you. Well, I, I appreciate it, Steve, and I certainly appreciate uh, the support. And I love seeing those little sticky notes in there because uh, nothing pains me more than when people tell me, oh, I love this book. I read it cover to cover. And I said, what did you what, what did you do? Well, nothing. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's <laughs> obviously uh, uh, what I really want people to do is take action. So that's awesome. Well, so I, I've read all of your books um, and put a lot of that into practice in our own business and our own practice. It was we were getting ready for this. You said, well, this is the first new marketing book you've written in a decade. Yeah. which is pretty exciting. Um, as I went through it, clearly there's a lot of, of, of new thinking in it. Where did the idea come from to, to jump back into writing a book? Well, you know, one of the things, one of the curses maybe, no, I wouldn't call it that at all, uh, except that uh, writing books is hard. <laughs> but uh, uh, one of the things is if you write books and they seem to sell well, you know, people want you to write another one. And so there's there's always a little bit of that draw uh, from publishers and whatnot. And um, as you noted, my my last book, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, was a bit of a departure. It was not a marketing book at all. And it, it really, in any sense, it was almost verged on being a self-help book. And in a lot of ways, that was kind of a break for me to take the couple of years to research that, to write that, to sort of immerse myself in it. And, you know, I'd written a lot of stuff about marketing. I, I, I continue to practice marketing every day. We have an agency and we train consultants, as you mentioned. Uh, but I just felt like I didn't necessarily have anything new to say or innovative to say, other than the fact that obviously marketing has evolved. Uh, with this book, um, I actually signed the contract for this book, March 15th, 2020, and listeners might think back to, gosh, what was I doing March 15th, 2020? <laughs> uh, you know, it was right when, uh, you know, we thought the world was going to end, right? And, and right. Uh, really experiencing uh, once in our lifetime, at least, uh, event. And, you know, I, I, I thought to myself, well, gosh, how, what am I going to write about now? How is it not going to be colored by this? And certainly nobody wants how to market in a time of COVID. Nobody wants that book. Uh, but but what I saw in in really trying to scramble and, and work with my clients and, and figure out, gosh, what's going on? How can we support them? Is that, you know, we had clients that that really struggled through this period, partly because they, they were just in the wrong business, you know, at the wrong time and, and really affected. But I also had a lot of clients that uh, not only survived and in a sense thrived uh, through this. And it wasn't because they were in some opportunistic, you know, uh, position. Um, they, they had, uh, 
you know, one client that I, I write about in the book, you know, sent out an email on that March 15th date to all of his employees saying, don't come in tomorrow. Um, 50 employees, don't come in tomorrow. We don't know what we're going to do. All of his clients' projects uh, in, in progress said, we're halting all projects right now. I'm sorry. And uh, what I, I was, because I advised them so much, I got a lot of the replies and I was just so struck by the the outpouring really of hey we're with you you're doing the right thing you know even if we have to put this on hold for six months you know we're going to stick with you and to me it's shown such a really bright light on on something that's fundamentally always been true and you know that's that a lot of businesses grow and scale in in good times uh, just because there there's a demand for what they do but businesses that that thrive and survive in in tough times a lot of times do it because they're meaningful in some way to their customers. And as I said, I think that's always been true, but that really sparked in me uh, the, the idea of writing about this idea of, of, you know, what if we started looking at it, at our customers as members? Uh, what if we started thinking in terms of where they are, what stage they're in today when they come to us, but, but what if we built our entire business around taking them to where they want to be? Uh, I use the word transformation, you know, over transaction um, as as really the driving force for building our business. So this book is a is a in a lot of ways it's a high level strategic book, but I also uh, think it, it I think it's a workshop too. <laughs> I mean, it really uh, I do give you a lot of action steps. I've broken it down. The subtitle is Five Steps to Ridiculously Consistent Growth, um, and I think that uh, I, I really kind of boil marketing all the way all down to you know the ultimate marketing engine is a successful customer well i tell you the the trend that i keep hearing over and over again throughout business is this it's we're sort of leaving the tactic level because yes. the the <laughs> that proved to be not very durable under the stress that we've all been through yeah and this yeah. sort of higher level I don't know if connection is the right word. I don't know if community is the right word. I think those are part of it, yeah. but sort of better serving the customer and, and giving them something more than just what, as you say, transformational versus transactional. I think that's kind of the key. It always has been, but yeah, the internet seems to have given us so many tactics that we were just sort of drowning in all the <laughs> tactics, trying to figure it out for about a decade. Yeah, And I think we're getting past that. Yeah, and I think that I think one of the things that this focus on on strategy, as you're talking about, it actually it actually informs what not to do, as much as what to do. And I think that that's what I think that's what people are really grasping for now. You're you're right. We've kind of we're we're kind of broken in a way from a from tactics. And uh, so I think that uh, you know if we really strip it bare and kind of say, gosh, this this idea of of you know, of transforming our customers could actually become a mission. You know, the, how would that change the decisions that we make every day, certainly in marketing, but maybe, maybe throughout the whole business. Yeah, absolutely. So in the book, you said that you've got five steps. Yeah. I noticed that there, between step one and where step two starts, there's an awful lot of material. In fact, maybe the bulk <laughs> of the book. Um, so step one is called the marketing hourglass. Is that is there a reason that's got so much emphasis? Yeah. So, so if I can jump a little bit ahead, in some ways, step one ought to be step three. Um, but <laughs> step one is the what I would like to suggest is the big innovation uh, in this book. Some of the other ideas other people have talked about, you know, I maybe go much deeper in them or think about them from a different way. But if if I were to be honest, 
in, if you're doing this in linear fashion, you know, you'd probably do step one and step or step two and step three uh, first, um, which is probably a terrible way to sell a book. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but to give you a sense of why there's so much, I think there's about five chapters that actually somehow talk about step one. Um, and it's because I really do have to, to break a lot of things down. So step one, officially, I, I talk about step one is map where your best customers are today and where they want to go. You mentioned the marketing hourglass, which is really um, a part of uh, that innovation. Um, and for me, it's it's the the customer journey that can be the framework for how we think about our entire business. Uh, the 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 term customer journey is one that. Thankfully, about seven or eight years ago, kind of overtook uh, the the phrase uh, marketing funnel. But there's certainly still a lot of people that think about the 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 customer journey as you know, create some awareness, <laughs> then get them interested, and then sell them something. Um, and that's pretty much the end of marketing uh, for. 15 years, at least. In fact, I think the marketing hourglass actually first appears in, in uh, the referral engine. Um, and I've continued to work this concept. And the idea behind the hourglass is, is it still borrows from the, the funnel metaphor. Uh, you know, you do still have to get some percentage of the market interested in what you're doing. Uh, but where it uh, dramatically uh, changes is that when somebody decides to become a customer, we flip the funnel over. And actually, that's where the opportunity to really expand your marketing uh, in my opinion, uh, occurs because uh, to me, you know, the best source of lead generation has always been happy customers. Um, so the, our hourglass or our customer journey has uh, seven stages and they are no like trust, try, buy, repeat, and refer. And I just think that that, um, that that more accurately reflects the journey that people go on because even with all the changes the last decade and heaven forbid the last year <laughs> that have gone on in marketing, um, I think the thing that's changed the most is the way that people choose to become customers. A lot of their journey is actually out of our hands, out of our sight. Um, and so uh, I talk more about the, our, our job as marketers is less about creating demand and more about organizing these seven behaviors. Yeah. Okay. I, that and now makes sense because you're doing a lot of a lot of uh, re-education there as we go through. So can you just briefly walk us through as, as a business that is approaching this sort of for the first time, um, the, the various stages of the yeah. hourglass and what what they should be thinking about as they're trying to map this out? Because you've sure. got some exercises, I know. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've worked with people and trained people to use this tool, maybe some of them as much as 10 years. And it's a, it's, it's something that grows in its usefulness. The more you use it, when I introduce the concept, people are like, well, what goes in no and what goes in try? And they're really struggling with it. But if you just think about your, your ideal customer, you know, how do they come to know about a business like yours? Um, if they came to know about a business like yours or, or even a competitor, you know, what would, what would be their process for making snap decisions about, okay, is this somebody, do I like their message? Is this somebody that, you know, that seems to be talking my language? I mean, it's all the way that we, in fact, I, I really love to, to suggest that people just think about their own buying uh, habits, that we, we actually want to participate in these behaviors. If we have a problem, we want to know somebody who can solve it. We want to find you know, some solution providers out there. And then as we start to analyze those solution providers, we are going to make snap judgments about, you know, if you go to a website, obviously in my business particularly, and it looks like it was built in the 80s, I'm probably not going to go much farther. I mean, regardless of, of uh, you know, what I, what I think they can do for me. So we do make those kind of decisions. And a lot of times, as I said, those decisions are being made without 
you know, us even knowing a prospect is, is analyzing us. And then, of course, before we make a decision or before we even pick up the phone in some cases or schedule a meeting, uh, we're going to start saying, do other people trust this company? Uh, can they prove that they get the results? Do they have reviews? Is there social proof that other people seem to believe? Because again, that's that's still part of our our, our process or our journey of, of trying to you know select somebody. I, I, you know, today's buyer has the ability to do so much research that before they ever really pick up a phone or fill out a consultation form. They're generally speaking. In fact, I'm really shocked when somebody somebody comes to me or contacts me and they know very little about me. I, you know, because I just that's just not the way people buy today. And then again, I love it when I have the ability to try what it might be like to work with a company, and that, that can be a free 30 day software trial, but it also can be a webinar or it can be you know digging deep into their content. And then of course all of us have have had a great experience deciding to buy something from somebody only to be let down when the communication afterwards broke down and we didn't they didn't meet our expectations. So, you know, we all want to have a really great buying experience or because we all suffer from buyer's remorse. So we want some confidence back up there. And then of course if I find somebody that that meets my needs, I don't, I don't go shopping again. I call them back up and say it's time to do it. Again, uh, I think we all like that convenience. Um, and then it, 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 as human beings, I think we're wired to talk about companies that exceed our expectations, that surprise us in some way. Um, and certainly that if asked, you know, we will refer those kinds of businesses. So I think if you think about it that way, you know, then the question just becomes, you know, thinking of our ideal customer, you know, what do we need? What what are they doing when they're out there trying to solve that problem that they're not really sure of how to solve? What would make them like us? I mean, I, I, in the like category, I put: Does your site load fast? Do your are your forms intuitive? <laughs> you know, things things like that. Obviously, the message. You know, do I feel like you're talking to me? Um, trust can be logos. It can be of of other businesses you work with. It can be case studies. It can be social proof uh, uh, from reviews and from from you know views on YouTube. I mean, as as examples. And then, of course, try can be a lot of things, everything from trying a low cost product all the way through. Like I said, a lot of businesses, when you pick up the phone and call them, you're trying them out. <laughs> I mean, what happens when that phone gets answered? So it could try can be a lot of things. So the point is that if we just at least analyze uh, the experience that our customers having today, the experience that and, the, and then we can start filling in the gaps and say, OK, intentionally, when somebody buys, what's the transaction look like? What's our onboarding process look like? What's our orientation look like? And of course, in some cases, experience tells me it looks like nothing. <laughs> there, isn't, there isn't one or it's made up by whoever's doing it that day. And, and so that's really the point of this is that this can be a framework that'll help you identify how to create a better customer experience, also identify where you've got gaps. Um, and, and for us, in many cases, when I work with a business, we can do this as a starter project almost, and it spins off 15 things that need to be done. And so it just gives you the roadmap for where can we, where can we work on things that are going to have the most impact? I love that. I, I'm such a big fan of, of frameworks because it, you take something that is, is so big that it's almost impossible to wrap your head around right. unless you can break it down into these boxes where you can think about it in all the different stages and, and focus your thinking and, and improve parts of it. Yeah, uh, I just find them to be really, really helpful. Well, and so especially in the world of small business, I mean, they're overwhelmed because 
they're, you know, they're taking out the trash and they're, you know, they're doing everything else too. So to, to have kind of a, a ready made, um, you know, spreadsheet even of stuff we need to go back and focus on, it allows you to say, okay, in the next six months, these are going to be our priorities. Yeah. Well, and I, I think uh, let's put a little emphasis on that because the folks who are listening are mostly professional services. They're going to be yeah. smaller businesses yeah. and they are overwhelmed because they're both the product and the salesperson and the CEO all in one. Right. Right. So sometimes when you're in that position, you can become the victim of what I, I call a marketing drive-by, you know, the, the AdWords yeah. guy drives by the office and all of a sudden your wallet's a little lighter, yeah. you know, be, because you didn't think through these things strategically and you got to do something, Yeah, you're susceptible to that kind of stuff. And this sort of insulates you and gives you a way to, to plug those things in. Those tools are all great, but only if they're plugged into a, a functioning kind of, as you say, a journey all the way through using this, the hourglass concept. Yeah. I mean, for, for us, I mean, we have a lot of people that come to us and say, I need a website or I need content or I need AdWords. Um, and, and yes, you do, <laughs> but let's back up now and, and let's build the foundation so that when we're running those AdWords, they're actually going to be valuable. You're actually going to convert because you're going to target the right person with the right message um, and send them uh, to the right place, you know, based on where they're on journey. And so then all of a sudden that stuff becomes extremely uh, much more effective. So the, the second piece of, of this, which you said maybe should be the first piece is the customer success track. And that's kind yeah. of related, but yeah. so how does well, that fit in? Yeah. So, so I, I, I really blend those into the first step because they, they do depend on each other. Um, you have to create this hourglass framework to understand uh, your customer journey and to start thinking about the, the things that you need to build to guide the customer uh, through these behaviors. <clears throat> if you think about a map, the hourglass is the big giant unfolded map and the customer success track is sort of the inset, you know, that when you want to drill down to when somebody becomes a customer. And so it's really, it's really how you explode that, you know, service that um, particularly in, in your listeners, you mentioned professional services. It's really how you ex expand what it is that you do for them. And the idea behind the customer success track is to start trying to start trying to better understand the stage that most of your clients come to you today. I don't know about you, but most of the clients come to me trying to solve a certain problem. Um, they're really not getting much marketing traction. They, their website's not doing much for them. And, and uh, so we've kind of identified that stage as, as foundation. We also can recognize, you know, I recognize somebody, the characteristics of somebody in that foundational struggle. I also know the challenges that they're going to have. And because we worked with so many folks in that stage, we also know the promise of moving them to the next stage. Um, and so the, the idea behind the customer success track is we're able to develop where we think most of our customers come from, uh, what stage they're in, and we're able to develop then what, what's the next stage and the next stage and the next stage. If we were to mature their marketing with them, what would that look like? And so uh, we, we, but in our particular case, for marketing have five stages and they all have their own characteristics and challenges and, and promise to get to the next stage. And what that also allows us to do, and, and this is the hard part, but boy, this is the payoff, is that it allows us to create milestones then 
for each of those stages where we're able to ask yes or no, have you done X? And if the answer is yes, great, check it off. If the answer is no, here are the set of tasks we have to complete. So it almost becomes, in, in a way, it's 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 not only a sales message to 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 the client or prospect to say, look, here's where we're going. Um, it's a great way to delegate and train and hire inside our organization because it is a very clear, you know, almost guaranteed uh, roadmap. And a note about this idea of milestones. Um, effective milestones can only be answered yes or no. Uh, we don't have a milestone that says, is the website effective? Well, I don't know. <laughs> it depends on who's <laughs> looking at it, I guess, right? But we do have milestones for things like, does the website load effectively on a mobile device? Yes or no, and so that becomes a milestone. So, uh, what what we've done in this book, and and with when when readers get this book, and then on the you'll see that there's also a companion uh, resource uh, site for the book. Um, you'll actually get my entire roadmap of milestones for marketing. I mean, if you want to do marketing in your business, you're going to have the roadmap. Um, but my real goal is then, uh, and this is probably why you know it takes five chapters to get there. My real goal is to actually uh, suggest that just about any business can do this for their client base, regardless of industry. And of course, B two B service businesses, I think, will probably look at this as a no brainer. Uh, it, it will make sense in terms of of you know how they probably practice anyway. Uh, but I think that uh, I think that just about any business in any industry uh, can start looking at this. And you you don't have to have five stages. I mean, who knows what it is for your business? Start looking at where your where your best customers, uh, and we'll get to that in one of our steps, but where your best customers come from uh, today or or what stage they typically uh, present themselves to you and start looking at you know what else you could do or or how could you actually take them or where do they want to go these are some of the key questions you're going to have to wrestle with and and you may not have the answers today but i think if you start paying attention today uh, some of the answers will start presenting themselves well there there's really good business logic for doing this too because all of the profit that that you can really capture in your business is lies within the problems of the customers you already have. You don't have to spend yeah. any money to go get them again. You don't have to pull your hair out wondering why is, you know, why am I not ranking on Google? Because yeah. you've yeah, yeah. already got them. Um, my first business was a, an engineering consulting firm. We, we probably made million dollars a year easy just on add-on problems that we sure. uncovered. Yeah. And, and, developed a solution for within, you know, because we were paying attention to, you know, yeah. intuitively some of these things. So I, I love this approach. The The next piece that you talk about is member mindset. Mm. Um, and that I, I just, when I, I read that, I was like that, you know, for what we're doing, that's, I want to create, even though the service that we deliver is time bound, you know, we have people come back a lot, but I want them to be members forever. Yeah. And, and that was a tricky one. I wrestled with that terminology because immediately people start thinking of membership and subscription programs and even Costco. Um, and, and that's not really how I'm using that term. It's really more of a member mentality. If you think about uh, the reason people join certain types of membership programs is that that they believe they will benefit, they believe the company or, or they believe in the mission of, of the organization. It's more of an investment mentality rather than a purchase mentality. And, and I think typically um, by taking this customer success track approach, thinking you know on what, what's the key transformation, you know, I think you really do 
generate more of a membership feel, or, or at least you have the opportunity to. Um, and and I think that members in a in a really healthy membership. I mean, we we don't just refer them. I mean, we we evangelize these companies. And so, uh, as we get into some of the steps of going deeper and and impacting your entire your customers' entire ecosystem and growing with them, you know, it really uh, it's real. I just find it helpful to take this membership mentality, whether you ever sell a membership or not. Well, yeah, and that's, I guess that's what I pulled from it was not necessarily that you're trying to turn every business into a membership model, business model, but it was just taking the mindset that once you acquire a customer or a client, they're in essence a member and you're going to treat them as though it's this never ending relationship. So how do you begin to engineer that? Is it just a matter of a mindset shift or are there things within the business that you want to build out to create that experience? It is definitely a mindset shift. And I think that uh, one of the keys of the customer success track, if people can really wrap their heads around that, is it's really a practical exercise to kick that mindset shift in gear, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's because that's one of the struggles a lot of times with strategy is people talk about it as this concept. And then, then it's like, well, how, you know, how do I execute? Um, and I think that um, uh, in my mind, uh, marrying that idea of the customer success track with membership was this is the execution tool. This is how you really mm-hmm. start. Uh, I mean, if you start analyzing uh, where you're trying to go with the customer, um, you start getting closer to your customer uh, and what they need. And and by the way, and we'll get into this, I mean, we're not talking about everybody. You can't make every customer successful. I guarantee you there's a percentage of your customer base that this is not going to apply to, and maybe you shouldn't even be trying to. <laughs> um, right. So it really does, it, it does come with, and that's why I kind of kiddingly said, you know, step number three maybe ought to be step number one, because it does kind of come with the impl- with at least the implication that this is going to be with your top ideal customers. That's always a sticky thing, isn't it? It is, it is. Nobody likes to, to give up any potential opportunity. Yeah, no question. Yeah. And I, you know, I kind of kid about it and I've done, you know, the reason I can kid about it is I've done it myself and you have a slow Tuesday and you know, the, the next, uh, the next phone call asks you to do something you don't know how to do, but you figure how hard can it be? And you know, they, they're, they're, they're not in your target market at all, but Hey, they said they'd pay you. And, and you know, what I think we underestimate and, and this is hard um, uh, unless you back up and, and, you know, put these filters in place, we underestimate the opportunity costs or the opportunity loss in, in chasing those kinds of things, or, or worse yet, uh, working with, with clients that really aren't even profitable, uh, which is, uh, in many cases, the result of chasing something you're not good at or something that you don't know how to do. Um, so this idea of narrowing your focus, and I go as far as, as really pushing people and saying to the top 20% of your current client base um, is, is where you want to spend your time and energy developing this uh, customer success track. Typically, for me, top 20% means uh, uh, profitable. <laughs> They're referring. Uh, they have the right problem. You actually um, can deliver value to them. I think that's a lot of uh, gets left, left out of the equation quite often. It's more about who can I go get rather than who, do I, who am I really equipped to serve uh, and, and give value to. So that's kind of how I, I talk about this 20%. It's not just a revenue number. That may be part of the equation, but it's, it's certainly not the only part. And the idea is that I think that if you spent more time focused on that group, some percentage of them would do 10 times as much business with you. Um, and, and even some small percentage of them might do 100 times 
more business with you uh, because you've already got that trust. Um, and all, all the real key is to show them how to do it or, or to list, let them tell you how to do more business with you. And, and it, if you've got great relationships, these are customers you like working with. And a lot of professional service providers you know, have personal relationships with their clients, then uh, to me, it's a much more enjoyable way to grow your business than going out there and, and risking, you know, what a new engagement might look like. Well, I think it's a, it's a more stable way to grow it over time. I mean, yes, you want to continue to be bringing in more people like that and growing those relationships, but those relationships are usually pretty durable. Uh, and uh, you alluded to it in the beginning, talking about some of your clients who, actually sort of thrived over the last 18 yeah. months. And it was really because they they had these sort of relationships at the yeah. core, it sounded yeah. like. Yeah. And, and the other thing about, the, as I said, defining your narrowly defining your ideal client, you you already hinted at one is that then you build their, your messaging around attracting more of them as part of the, the process. But also what I've discovered over the years, I don't know about you, Steve, but they seem to also know my ideal client <laughs> um, is because they have the same beliefs and behaviors and values. And so um, they, they are going to also refer the best people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I can always tell when I get that person yeah. on a, an initial call because you know, it's like, we're birds of a feather too. I mean, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're my ideal client or, you know, or your ideal client, if you're listening, they're your ideal client, likely because you have a lot in common, you think very similarly. Um, and so I can usually tell within the first five minutes of a conversation, if this is somebody, there's like a click that happens that, yes, you know, it's it. And that's yeah. what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's see, have we covered all five? That's well, four. Well, one more, you know, I have there? a tendency, I'm, I'm terrible about this because it is a five steps linear order and I find myself jumping around more than anything, but more than, more than any interviewer. <laughs> so I'm guilty of it. But I think we've really unpacked two of the five. Uh, so let's jump back to number two, uncover the real problem you solve for your ideal customers. This is one I love to really hammer on because, uh, um, you know, most of us sell some sort of solution or product and that's what we tend to want to promote is here's what we do. Um, when in fact, uh, the customers, our best customers stay with us because we are solving some problem, maybe unstated even for them, or at least unknown to us. And it has nothing to do with our product or service. I, I always like to laugh and or joke and say, you know, I essentially sell marketing strategy and nobody ever, ever, ever in the history of time has woken up and said, I think I'm going to go get some marketing strategy today. Uh, but they do wake up and say, how come the last three phone calls have all asked for a lower price? Um, how come when I go to Google and I search Google, I've, my top three competitors are on the map pack and I'm not? I mean, those are the problems that that they're trying to solve. Or, you know, truthfully, um, today, it seems like I don't know what works in marketing. <laughs> I'm not confident because everybody's telling me to buy a piece of, you know, a piece of the puzzle, or I have no clarity of, of, you know, what it is I do that's different. I'm just a commodity. I mean, those are the kinds of problems that we really solve. It just happens to be that those are really strategy problems <laughs> in many cases. Uh, but until we are the ones communicating that, hey, we'll give you clarity or we'll give you control, you know, as opposed to we sell marketing strategy, we won't get the opportunity to, to, to really attract them or to show them, hey, we have a different approach. Yeah. I, and that is the, I think, most challenging thing for, particularly for people who, um, like, you know, a lot in our audience who have, invested a lot of time to get educated. 
in many cases, they've had to take a test from, you know, the state (laughs) to be able to just be in business at all. Right. So you tend to wrap your whole identity around that thing that you do, you're licensed to do it. You went to school for it everything, but that isn't what anybody's buying. Nope. Especially since everybody else that is in your industry and says they do what you do has those letters behind their name too. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So I have a client in financial services. He has more letters after his name than in his name. And not one, I first conversation we ever had, I said, so what do those mean to, you know, any of your people? Cause you know, he'd spent a lot of time and invest a lot of money. I said, I'll tell you what they mean. I mean, absolutely nothing yeah. <laughs> is your ticket to the dance. Yeah. And so I think this idea of really understanding the problem that, that your customer is wanting to buy is, is key. And it's not, it's probably not one problem either is it oh no no gosh no i've all in the book i actually have this uh, whole exercise of problems and solutions and i i break down marketing by your website content seo <laughs> strategy you know all the all the things that we've seen and and what they really are a, a symptom of um and i think that's i actually suggest that people should develop that for their business it's based on you know all the things they hear as problems and then kind of relating them back to oh here's our solution uh, for for that, or here's how we would talk about that. But I think the real key, frankly, if you if you nail this, is a lot of times clients don't know what their problem is, <laughs> um, and so I mean they might know what some of the symptoms are, um, and so if we can really get good at um, at understanding those and communicating those. Um, we're just going to really stand out. I mean, we're going to help them. Our, by, by us communicating, we're going to help them articulate. I came up with years ago talking about marketing as a system uh, because I, uh, which you know, has now become kind of my mantra. But it, it it's you know, it's it's really my core point of differentiation um, because I discovered so once, especially once the digital age kind of came upon business owners. Uh, they just felt like it was chaos um, and they, you know, they had no idea which way to go, what they needed to be doing. Everybody was trying to sell them something else. Um, and so this idea that that marketing could actually be looked at as a system, like so many of the other things in your business. Um, the first time I stood up on a stage and tried that out, I could just see the light bulbs going on. People were like, why hasn't anybody else told me that? Um, and, and it just really cemented this idea that, that I'm, actually, I'm actually helping them articulate the problem. And so I'm going to get invited to the dance first. Yeah. And, and it, it so distills kind of everything down. It makes it easier for people to wrap their heads around it. So um, I know we're getting short on time. I, I promised you we would be done at a, at a specific time. So I want to give you the chance before we wrap things up. Um, what haven't we covered that that yeah. is really important? So, so a couple things. So we've we've really gone down the you know the path of okay, get your you know map your customers, get your hourglass, uncover the real problem, narrow your focus to this twenty percent. Now we're now actually we can go to work on your website and on your content um, and on your ads because um, frankly. Now we're talking to the right people with the right message, and we're talking about the problem and the objective they're trying to solve at each stage of the journey. So I really take a lot of the traditional marketing channels now in step four and say, here's how you approach these now that you've done all the strategic work. Uh, and then just quickly, step five is essentially about referrals. Um, I, I call it scale with uh, your customers by serving their entire ecosystem. And I, I break down three or four 
approaches, um, any one of which I think would dramatically help any business increase their, their level of referrals. Um, some of it has to, uh, again, go into uh, working deeper with, you know, a lot of service professional service providers work with clients who hire other professional service providers. Um, and so one of the tactics that uh, I put in there is what if you started reaching out to those other professional service providers and teaching them what you're doing for your mutual client? Um, and, and what you'll do is you'll make, you'll, you'll serve your client better by doing that. They'll serve your mutual client better by doing that. And I can almost guarantee you that some referrals will come, some referral activity will come from them experiencing you in that way. Uh, I also talk about teaching referrals. I think regardless of the industry that you're in, if you brought your clients together, who obviously B2B people that are trying to get business, if you brought your B2B clients together and taught them how to get more referrals, um, and, and I actually give you a whole curriculum for how to do referral masterminds and things, uh, you will generate referrals from that. And then, of course, I, I've always been a big fan of, of creating a strategic partner network of uh, other uh, professionals or other businesses that uh, that have obviously are not competitors but serve your same ideal client. Uh, so uh, really, step five is is kind of just my thinking the last ten years how it's changed and and how to apply a, a referral mentality so that you grow with your customers instead of constantly going out and chasing more. Yeah, and you know I'm a big I'm a big believer in referrals uh, as well. So. Um, I think having that focus is key, but it's one thing to talk about that. All of the stuff that proceeds in, in this approach really helps you build a business that generates referrals on its own because you've created <laughs> results and such an experience for the customer that then the next stage is kind of a foregone conclusion where I think a lot of people go wrong is they don't yeah. do any of the stuff leading up to it. And then yeah. they show up and go, so do you know anybody that needs, you know, whatever you do exactly. today? Yeah. I, you know, I often say that, that, you know, that just what you said, the first half of getting more referrals is to be more referable. Um, and then I can come in with this last step and actually amplify your refer. I'll show you how to amplify your referability. But yeah, if you're, if your customers aren't having a good experience, there's no hack, there's no referral hack that's going to make that work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John, it's been an absolute pleasure. I wish we could sit here and talk all afternoon. It's as we're recording this, it's Friday afternoon. You're in beautiful Colorado. I'm in sunny Florida, at least for the moment. And uh, yeah. um, I love talking about this stuff. Um, folks, get uh, well, first of all, where where can they get the book? Yeah, yeah. so um, it, it's just, I have a website for the book. Obviously you can buy the book anywhere you buy books, but I have a website called theultimatemarketingengine.com. And depending upon when you're listening to this, it will come out September 21st. Uh, you can pre-order. And if you if you go to theultimatemarketingengine.com and pre-order, I've actually got a free companion course that you can come back and grab that's six uh, videos of me talking about and unpacking a few of these lessons like we did today. But I've also got some uh, some resources there, some checklists and forms and tools that'll help you help kind of guide you through uh, doing some of these exercises. And obviously when the book uh, uh, lands on your, your doorstep, you'll have the full text um, and you'll also uh, gain access to the full website of resources. Cause this is something Steve that we do. Um, and so we develop tools all the time around this and, and, you know, modify and change these uh, tools that we use in our own practice. So uh, you're, you're going to get the whole toolkit. Oh, fantastic. Get the books, folks. Um, as you can see, I've been doing this for a long time and thought I knew, well, I don't know if I knew it all, but I knew a lot and I learned a lot from the book. So get a copy of the book. 
Uh, I know you've got some other events. Do you are you do you want to share that with the audience uh, with workshops and things or? Yeah. Um, so another thing you can do if you go to the Ultimate Marketing Engine and uh, you can get two free chapters. That's another uh, way that you can start kind of diving in right right now today. Um, and uh, you know that'll put you on a list uh, that I'll actually send you out some things. But uh, in September we're going to run a couple. Uh, workshops. So we're going to actually take people through a couple of these exercises in a in a basically a morning um, to you know since we're we're not getting together in in hotel rooms and things we'll do we'll do this uh, all virtually but uh, it'll give you a chance to uh, to really take some practical application. So I appreciate that, uh, Steve. So if you get on that list, um, uh, you'll you'll certainly be notified. Perfect. Well, John, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for investing some time with me. Uh, congratulations on the book. Thank it's you. fantastic. And uh, can't wait to uh, see the impact that it makes. Thanks, Steve. Still here? Excellent. Let me tell you about what's coming up at the Unstoppable CEO. In October, we're relaunching a program we haven't done in over a year. And uh, you may know that one of the ways that we help people is we help folks write their book. And we've got a high-end program that will actually write your book for you, but that's not what this is. This is for you if you wanna write a book, but you want it to be your own words. You don't wanna have a ghostwriter write it for you, or you just don't have the budget yet to be able to afford to have somebody write it for you. That's why we created this program that we're gonna relaunch again in October called the Author Accelerator. And what the Author Accelerator is, it's it's really a 90-day writing sprint. And I'm gonna take you and guide you through all of our strategies and processes for writing a book. And the thing that makes this really unique is that we break it all down into really small chunks. So it doesn't seem like a big daunting task to write this book. Most people get intimidated when they start that process. Well, we break it down so it's just 30 minutes a day over the course of these 90 days and you'll have it done. In fact, you'll have the book written in much less than that but then we'll use the rest of the time to help you package it up and get the marketing prepared so that you can go out and use this book as a lead generation tool to attract your ideal clients. And this is the perfect time to get started. If you start with our group, and it'll be limited to just 10 people, if you start with our group in October, you'll have your book ready for 2022. You'll be able to launch into the new year with a brand new book with something newsworthy to go tell your market about. So if that's something that you're interested in, the first thing that you have to do is you have to get on the waiting list. We're not going to advertise it out to everybody on our list when it opens up. It's only going to be announced to the people on the waiting list. The way that you do that is you go to unstoppableceo.net slash accelerator. You can get on the waiting list there and you can learn all about the course. Hope you'll join us.